podcast is not suitable for children. We do curse and talk about very adult topics. We also talk about darker topics with a sense of humor, but are by no means making light of those who experience any sort of trauma and have no intention of offending. All sources for research will be in the podcast episode description, wherever you may be listening. Thanks for your time. And the dog hair is free. Very good. I'm sure you're wondering what the hell that has to do with spiders. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's like a chill spider. Yeah. It, so... This spider has no chill, but... <laughs> That's great. That's good to know. I, um... Yeah, I had a hard time with the track. We've also, both the two of us, have been through the gambit of stuff We've for this had past a cup, week. a hard couple of two weeks, yeah. So, my, my, my brain wasn't in it. Yeah. And I actually didn't even... I didn't record that, like... I don't know, within the past couple of days or so. That was, I think, a month ago I did that. And I was just, like, digging through all of my old oh, tracks. Oh, really? Yeah. And oh. I was like, oh, what's this? And I found that. I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty. Okay. okay. Yeah. But um, a little divergence. So I went on a um, a journey, and I was trying to produce it into this thing once I did find that track. Mm-hmm. Because in the background of that track, actually, um, it was just me, like, messing around with... Um, different ways of recording acoustic guitar mm-hmm. um and because of the sensitivity of the mics it was actually picking up what you were listening to on the tv out in the living room oh so if you listen really closely you wouldn't know otherwise but um there's an episode of uh the uh ryan and shane oh uh <laughs> the ghost files uh, yeah <laughs> Really? Playing in the background. <laughs> but it it's like, it's just it faintly enough there that um, you can hear like commotion, like speech and stuff in the background. Oh. So I was listening to it and I was like, that's really cool. It's kind of like, it, it almost puts me in like a marketplace scenery. <laughs> so, and I was like, maybe I'm like a little spider and I'm on like a bench somewhere and there's people walking around like buying stuff and just like talking amongst themselves and. Kind of like in a, a like a guitar in the middle of a, mm-hmm. a town square or something. Um, and here's where the rabbit hole starts. I went on to YouTube and I was trying to rip audio uh, to get like marketplace sounds that I could make it more like pronounced. Yeah, like ambient. And I found a D&D. Um, it was like three hours of ambient marketplace oh, noise. Oh, wow. On, cool. On YouTube. <laughs> I didn't include it in the track, but I found it. And... Um, I was like, oh, wow, that, that'd be cool if I get, get that to work. And I just didn't, I didn't have enough time to, like, figure it out. Um, oh, that's really cool. But all the comments under it were like, uh, were like, oh, this is great. I'm trying to write more to ambient music, and, and this is great for me, and blah, blah, well, blah. Well, I'm sure it'd be cool if you were, like, in a campaign, like a D&D campaign, and part of the story was set that's, in a marketplace. That's exactly what one of the other yeah, comments that's were. Yeah, really, that's it really like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, I'm, I'm DMing for our campaign, and um, uh, and I'm using this in the background while I'm writing the, the story, the plot yeah. for, like, our campaign. Um, and I'll probably use it too while I do my, uh, while we like play the, the story, play the campaign. So all that to say that it has absolutely nothing at its root to do with spiders. (laughs) Well, no, it's, it's actually really interesting that you bring up like the perspective of a spider within like a bustling Mm -hmm. environment. Um, because 
at the very end of what I'll be talking about today, it it does kind of go into like there's a very quick note about like the perspective, mm. um, trying to understand like the perspective of this particular spider that I am talking about, or like spiders in general, I guess. That's cool. Um, well, and I'll I'll steal your thunder and announce the 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 spider that we're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. It also kind of feeds into that because uh, so I was saying D and D and marketplaces and all oh. that stuff. It's an ogre-faced spider. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Pardon that horrendous uh, accent. <laughs> Shrek. But it, yeah. <laughs> Just a spider with Shrek's face. <laughs> and its an eyes are really big. <laughs> I'm an ogre. So, anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, this is this episode's all about the ogre-faced spider. It, it really is. Um, so, yeah, just... I'm just going to go ahead and start off. Jump um, into it. The beginning of my notes, the title, it says, I fucking hate spiders. Let's talk about spiders. All right. <laughs> Good start. Um, so my research all starts with finding one of those random facts post mm -hmm. um, in like social media. Mm -hmm. So this one said, the ogre face spider's eyes are more sensitive than both a cat's and owl's. But every day at dawn, the photosensitive portion of its eyes are destroyed by the sun and the arachnid has to regrow its portion, this portion, each and every evening. To which I was like, bruh, why are we not like researching that? So, <laughs> right. We're just, why, why, we're going to gloss over uh, one of the aspects and immediately ask, so why are we not researching this? When in the back of my mind, it goes, I, I see a spider on a leaf somewhere. And as the sun, like, <laughs> comes up over a mountain range and you get the na 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 spider just screaming. But yeah, like why are we not researching the like regenerative properties of these like eyes if it's going through this shit every night? So I looked it up. Um first diversion, I want to talk about what taxonomy is. Mm -hmm. um because it it will make sense okay i i have no other way to segue into that other than that it better because if it doesn't <laughs> no i just i, I just want to talk I about taxonomy God. <laughs> so taxonomy is a branch of science focused on classification and organization generally when we might think of taxonomy we might think of the categorization of animals but taxonomy is just a way to organize things in a hierarchical fashion mm-hmm so, for example, biologists use it to organize biological organisms, but it can also be used to organize concepts and data by a wide variety of professionals within the natural science, business, economic, computing, safety, and other disciplines. So within biology, taxonomy is used to name, study, define, and classify groups of biological organisms based on shared characteristics. Each unit of organisms grouped is called a taxa, or singular would be taxon, mm -hmm. taxon, wax on, taxon, tax off. <laughs> taxon, tax off. Tax off. Um, so these groups are given a taxonomic rank, which then creates a taxonomic hierarchy. Mm -hmm. The ranks within the hierarchy are domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. Hmm. Um, really quick, just to go through some of them, we won't go through all of them because you kind of 
you hit a point where it's subdividing too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll start with domain, which is the first one. It is the highest rank and only contains three domains, which refer to cell composition. Um, so you have the three domains being, oh shit, I should have looked at how to pronounce this. No. Archaea, uh-huh. bacteria, and eukarya. Okay. That, I mean, that sounds Eukarya. right. Eukarya. Eukarya. Um, so that's just based on like how the organism cells are created. Or mm-hmm. are. Not created, just are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right after domain, you have kingdom, which can say, contains six kingdoms. You have Amelia, plantae, fungi, fungi, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, protista? Protista? Archaea or archaebacteria and bacteria or eubacteria, but some other countries only contain five, which are Amelia, Plantae, Fungi, Fungi, Protista, and Monera. Does it all make sense? I promise. It's a lot. Um, Yeah. My my eyes are not... (laughs) Glazing. (laughs) They're glazing a little bit. Um, At least they're not burning out of my skull, (laughs) but... Well, that, and for whatever reason, I uh, I heard, like, a noise in the background. It was, like, a droning. Um, oh? But I think it was the washing machine. Oh, okay. Because we live in a house where sound bleeds into mm. everything. Anyway. Um, phylum, or sometimes it's called division in botany, where mm-hmm. the animal kingdom contains three phyla, the plant kingdom contains 14, and the fungi kingdom contains eight. Mm-hmm. From this point on, in class, order, family, genus, and species, we are just splitting hairs, and now organisms rank based on um, morphological, physiological, molecular, behavioral, ecological, and graf- graphic- geographical mm-hmm. characteristics. Mm-hmm. Uh, each category has its own Latin name and can be further divided into subcategories. Um, the names don't have to be Latin, though, and but most are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, whatever. Um, this system was created by the Swedish botanist Carl Linnaeus and is why we call it the Linnaeus... Well, it's known, why it's known as the Linnaean taxonomy. Mm. And I would assume that is probably where you would also get the phrase lineage. Oh. Did you not? You didn't even think about that? No. Nope. Why you were <laughs> reading through stuff? No, I was thinking about very different things. Oh, come on. He also developed binomial nomenclature for mm-hmm. naming organisms within this categorizing system, which is why all organisms have a scientific name composed of two parts. Uh, the first being the genus mm-hmm. that the species belongs to, and the second, the specific name that distinguishes the species within the genus. I.e. Homo erectus. Yeah, so, for example, this spider, the ogre face spider that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. um, its scientific name is Dinopus spinosa. Hmm. Um, so, here we go. That, that's why we went through all of that, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to say its name. Um, its genus is Dinopus, and the name given to, to distinguish it from the other spiders within the genus Dinopus or Dinopus is Spinoza. Or Dinopis. Dinopis. <laughs> Just what I searched. <laughs> I talk about Dinopis. Mm-hmm. Um, so another reason why I went through all of that is because I wanted to go through the scientific class. Cla- you want to try that again? Yes. 
<laughs> so the reason why I went through all of that is because I wanted to go through the scientific classification for Denopis spinosa. Mm-hmm. So it's kingdom, obviously, Amelia. Animalia. Obviously. Animal, animalia? Uh, yeah, I, I, animalia, I think. Animalia? That sounds right. Animalia? It's an animal. <laughs> uh, ph- <laughs> it's an animal. Phylum um, is arthropoda, mm-hmm. um, which is invertebrate animals that have an exoskeleton, segmented body, and paired joint appendages. Mm-hmm. So this one has a subphylum. Um, which is Chilicerata. Sound it out. (laughs) (laughs) Or Chilicerata. Uh C-H-E-L-I-C-R-C-E-R-A-T-A. Whatever. Which is a category of arthropoda that contains C- Spiders, horseshoe crabs, and other arachnids. Mm, gotcha. Uh, class is Arachnida. Nida, Arachnida. Mm-hmm. A joint-legged invertebrate in the subphylum of... Jesus Christ, why didn't I not look up how to say this shit? Mm-hmm. The last one, the subphylum we were just in, mm-hmm. that contains all the regular creepy crawlies that we know, spiders, scorpion, ticks, mites, etc. Mm. God, I hate ticks. Uh, order is Aranea, basically in the air-breathing spiders that have eight legs, fangs with venom, and make silk. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? <laughs> the, the air-breathing spiders? Yeah. Are there spiders that do not breathe air? <laughs> Horseshoe crabs. Oh, well, that, okay. Yeah. That's true. Sea, sea spiders. Sea spiders. Oh, as, like, if air, as if land air-breathing spiders weren't bad I enough. <laughs> we need sea spiders. <laughs> Sea spiders, space spiders, yeah. Um, the infra order. Mm-hmm. So here we're adding more mm-hmm. steps. Here uh, we have Aranimorphiae, whatever. A suborder of Araniae. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna like learn how to say all these words <laughs> and listen back and be like, oh my god, oh. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Yeah. Okay. Um. But these ones have fangs that point diagonally forward and cross in a pinching action as opposed to mygalomorphae, which ha- which point straight down. Mm. Uh, family is Dinopidae, also known as net casting spiders. Genus, which now we're finally getting there, mm-hmm. uh, Dinopis, um, which is our boy. Um, common name, the ogre face spider or gladiator spider. It's your boy. It's a boy. And then species, we have Denopis spinosa, which is the name given to distinguish it from any other net casting spiders within the Denopis genus, of which there are 51. <laughs> That's a lot of spiders. Yeah. All right. All right. Taxonomy is over. Uh, the next part of the, the next like little chapter I, I wrote, the title of it is, let's talk about this fucking gross ass stick looking googly eye motherfucker. <laughs> That's great. That's like um, that's like the era of uh, pop punk uh, emo songs where the <laughs> song titles were entire sentences. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking gross ass stick looking googly eye motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> funny, 
What is it, honey? You wouldn't last a minute on the something or whatever. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, um, as I said, common name of Dinopus spinosa, aka the ogre faced spider, aka the gladiator spider, aka twirling diva of House Spinosa, aka Spinarella, aka backflip Magoo. Oh, wait, did you say twirling diva? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Do you like that? I'm gonna put that on a shirt. You know, like the black, the white text on the black shirt. <laughs> twirling diva. What's the what's the what's the scientific name of it again? Dinopus mm-hmm. Spinosa. Dinopus Spinosa. I'm gonna steal yeah. a. I'm gonna steal a line from uh, Trixie and Katya mm-hmm. from their YouTube show. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Dinopus Spinosa. <laughs> Dinopus Spinosa. <laughs> anyway, it, right. it. If you need to know though, really quick, it's spelled D E I N O P I S Spinosa. S-P-I-N-O-S-A. So probably not, probably not Dinopis, but. That's why I'm saying Dinopis. Yeah, for the sake. (laughs) (laughs) He looked at me, so that's why I'm fucking saying. (laughs) Whatever. Don't put words in my mouth. I'm not a fucking biologist or whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Um, According to the wiki, the name uh, Dinopis is derived from the Greek word dinos, which means fearful, and opus meaning appearance. Oh, so dinosaurs are like fearful SARS. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Keep going. I'm sorry. We're um, never going to get through this. So uh, on the Instagram, mm-hmm. the Instagram is at the dog hair is free. Look at you. Um, Shameless plug. No, it, it's at the dog hair is free everywhere. Mm-hmm. All social medias, wherever you want to look, it's Her-her. that name. So on the Instagram, um, you can see a picture of the spider, mm-hmm. and she got real big eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Um, so this spider can be found in every continent except for Europe and Antarctica, mm-hmm. and tend to hang out in warmer areas in the southern hemisphere. I feel like the Antarctica thing is um, goes without saying. <laughs> well, I well, so I feel like it's a universal thing with a lot of spiders and animals and whatever else. Like you hear that a lot. Like this animal. This animal is found on every continent in the world except Antarctica. One of these do it, days, do it, Warner Herzog. You know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days, we're gonna find an animal that that we can't say that for. Like one of these days, we're gonna find a spider where you're gonna l- listen to the documentary and it's gonna go. This animal is found on every continent in the world. Period. Oh. And that's terrifying. <laughs> it is everywhere. Well, callback episode, we can find the thing in Antarctica. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to, but... <laughs> anyway. um, they don't seem to have a particular habitat within these tropical, subtropical environments, mm-hmm. uh, as they can be found in a variety of places such as coastal hammocks, oak and pine forests, and near swamps and marshes. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about what this dude looks like. Um, think of your basic-ass spider. You got eight legs. The head, which is on the cephalothorax, like the middle body part. Look at you with them $10 words. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole lot of them. Cep- and all of them I can't say. <laughs> cephalothorax. Um, with its eyes on the front of the thorax part, and mm-hmm. then the abdomen, which I'm going to call the butt, which is the big like bulbous butt part of the spider. It's on his butt. 
The size is described as a medium-sized spider with a total body length of about 10 to 17 millimeters, which is a little under an inch for us mm-hmm. on the American side. Um, and you might be like, oh, that's not too bad, but bitch, that's just the body. Mm-hmm. You don't think about the legs. Mm-hmm. The legs. The legs are the worst part. The legs matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so the butt is long and thin and goes straight back about an inch from the head. And the whole thing looks like a dead brown twig. Mm. Uh, this is for camouflage during the day as, as it is more active at night, making it a nocturnal hunter. During the daytime, the spider stretches out on a tree to is, resemble a twig. Mm. Um, weird difference between males and females. Mature males tend to stand out a little bit more than females mm-hmm. in their camouflage posture, um, but can also be spotted by their thin abdomen, long, super long legs, and bulbous pedipalps, <laughs> which are the cute little arms near the mouth. Um, and I want them to be cute, but they're still very gross. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, next section I've labeled the eye ice. <laughs> Wait, pause for a second. Okay. I am uh, looking because I, I'm, I'm listening to this like I don't have pictures available to me. But you don't me. know, yeah. Well, but... Um, Go on the Google Drive. They're all right there. Yeah, no, you're describing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to look this motherfucker in the face all the time. Oh. I was doing research and I would scroll down to a paragraph and then a massive picture the size oh. of my screen is just staring at me. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, his, like, camouflage posture. It's, like, freaky, right? Oh, no, don't do that. Oh. He's like stretched out. Mm-hmm. He's like a he's like a cat on the back of your couch. It's like legs all straight back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> legs back, legs back, front legs up, just like as like as thin and like gross and gangly as you could imagine a spider. Yep, and he squishes so like eight legs, right? Why is there a picture of a of a bunch of cats with like glowing eyes? And you here? <laughs> will learn that. Don't don't skip ahead. I'm just, all right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, the eye eyes. Mm-hmm. Caught him in the eye eyes. Conveniently, there is a picture of the eye eyes. I think Mila farted. <laughs> 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 she's sitting right next to me, and I got a whiff of something. She is. She's looking at me with her eye eyes, too. She's like, ah, don't, let, don't let that woman tell you anything about me. Oh, stinky. And here comes Charlie. Because she okay. can't, she can't be without it. All right, stop. We are far too chaotic right now. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right, the eye eyes. The eye eyes. Um, the eyes are fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how it gets its common name: the ogre face spider, the scary appearance, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have eight eyes, as spiders do, um, but the two of them are fucking massive mm-hmm. and forward facing. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, the posterior median eyes. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry again, think of a spider's face. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there is a very easy to look at and not scary picture on the Instagram mm-hmm. of like a diagram of what this looks like. So, it has two rows of four eyes on its stupid little gross head. Mm-hmm. The top row is called the posterior eyes and the bottom row is called the anterior eyes. Mm-hmm. The median eyes are the two middle eyes within these two rows. Mm-hmm. Um, so the posterior median eyes are the two at the top, mm-hmm. the two top middle eyes, and they are fucking massive. Yeah, they're like little binoculars, mm-hmm. little binocular lenses. Meaning 
this motherfucker has a whole row of four tiny eyes under the two massive eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, like, up on the side of its head. Don't don't insult him for his eyes He's that he can't control. fucking gross. I'm sorry. He evolved <laughs> like that. This motherfucker with his eyes. <laughs> like he chose to have those eyes. Don't insult my boy. <laughs> okay, shut up. Relative to body size, these eyes are the largest eyes of any spider. Oh, wow. Um, the diameter of the big eyes is significantly smaller in mature males compared compared to the immature males and females of all life stages. Hmm. Um, the large eyes have huge photoreceptors that absorb about 2,000 times more light than what other common jumping spiders can, who also have huge eyes but are much cuter. Oh, he's a jumping spider too? No, no, I'm saying he's different from a jumping spider. Oh, 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 oh. But I gotcha. if you look at a jumping spider, they have pretty big eyes too. Mm, gotcha. Um, but but that's kind of the difference between just them. as a a point of reference. Yeah. Um, his eyes are bigger, but despite the jumping spider's cuter. Yeah. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> but go on. Um, according to an article, "How Spiders See the World" on Australian, on the Australian Museum site which seems very fitting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the eyes can be described as searchlight eyes as their large curved lenses resemble searchlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Um, <laughs> wow. Pun. Uh, <laughs> intended. <laughs> no. Happy accident. Anyway, go ahead. Shut up. I'm sorry. The ogre-faced spider's lenses have an F number of 0.58, allowing them to concentrate light very efficiently. Much better compared to a cat at F0.9 or an owl at F1.1. And what is the, I'm sorry, what is that number again? I'm glad you asked. Okay. <laughs> because we don't talk about cameras, bitch. Well, because I'm, I'm thinking about it in terms of uh, like contact lenses. Because I I wear contacts and I look at my contacts every day in their little casings. It's not that. Because I wear one-a-days. So the the little numbers and the no. 0.5, negative, whatever. That's different. That's totally different. different. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's totally different. Are you going um, to explain that? I Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Do it. Um. So, yes, I was waiting for a moment to derail. Mm-hmm. So the F number or F stop refers to the focal ratio of a lens's focal length to its aperture diameter. Wow, diameter. <laughs> and indicates the amount of light coming through the lens. Mm. Okay. The focal length is the number in millimeters that indicates the field of view of the lens. So to say that in like easier so the focal length is distance in millimeters from when shit is like in focus to your eye Mm -hmm. um the number refers to the distance between the point where the light converges and the image plane which would be a film or a sensor or for you your retina Mm -hmm. um when the subject is in focus Hmm. um the aperture is the size of the opening of the lens that light passes through i.e your iris yes well pupil well, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we create a ratio using the focal length to the diameter of the size of the aperture to get the f number or the f stop. Oh, that's mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Okay. I've heard uh, not to like diverge. We're like all over the place this episode, <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, no, that, okay. So I, I need to go back and listen to that song then. Jack Johnson has a song called F-Stop Blues. Good for him. Which is, <laughs> okay, one, shut up. Two, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I've never really, like, listened to it. And it probably has more to do with, like, cameras and photography than I initially thought. It's possible. Because there's also something called a double stop in guitar music. And there are double stops in that song. So hmm. I had always thought of it as one way, but it may actually be more about photography and pictures and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Anyway, side note, back to the spider, yep. unfortunately. Yep. A low F number means a larger aperture diameter, which mm-hmm. results in more light being captured. And conversely, a high F number results in a smaller aperture that collects less light. Um, I've got another easy little diagram for you on the Instagram mm-hmm. that shows the all of like the aperture size so you can have like a visual on what that is. Mm. Um, now think of your eyeballs as lenses. Um, human eyes have a focal length of about 22 millimeters mm-hmm. um, and the pupil is the aperture dilating at about six to seven millimeters wide, um, making the F number of the human eye around F 8.3 in a bright light to f 2.1 in the dark hmm. because you know your aperture your it, mm-hmm. it's not consistent so these numbers are very general mm-hmm. um because our irises expand and well, yeah contract. They're, they're constantly adjusting yeah. to various lights mm-hmm. um so those numbers are not synonymous with an ordinary camera's numbers um Though, as our eyeballs are not air-filled cameras and contain light reflect reflecting, light refracting fluids, mm-hmm. so a spider within the Dinopus genus have eyes that average at about one point three two five millimeter in diameter, mm-hmm. with a focal length of point seven seven one millimeter, giving them an f number of about point five eight, which is pretty fucking sensitive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. All right, now back to normal animal eyes really quick. Um, most nocturnal animals have a reflective layer in the, uh, in the eye called tapetum lucid, lucidum. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say that? Yeah, loose, uh, Yeah, that sounds right. Lucidum. Tapetum? I don't know about that one, but lucidum. T-A-P-E-T-U-M-L-U-C-I-D-U-M. Tapetium? Tapetum. Tapetum. <laughs> whatever yeah. i i did all this research and i didn't even fucking bother yeah to look at how to pronounce half of this yeah. shit i'm sorry Su- surprise yeah <laughs> surprise surprise all right uh this is a layer of tissue in the eye that lays immediately behind the retina and acts as a reflector hmm. the retina is the light sensitive tissue of the eye that communicates with the optic nerve to the visual cortex which creates visual perception um the tapetum lucidum reflects visible light back through the retina, increasing the light available into the photoreceptors that are found within the retina. So when you find a dog or cat in the dark and their eyes do that like spooky thing where they shine weird colors, that is just the tapetum uh, lucidum reflecting the light back out. And here we have where the yes. picture of the cats on the Instagram makes sense so that's called eye shine Mm -hmm. 
So next time you see some little shining eyes in the dark woods, it's not spooky in the sense that you have a creepy cryptid after you, but you still might have a very hungry animal looking at you. <laughs> well, it, 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 it may be a cryptid. You never know. Uh, I'm going to say hungry little animal, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a tree line in our backyard. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's safer for us to say a cat or a raccoon. Yeah. So here's some more knowledges for that ass. Uh, eye shine is a type of iridescence, i.e. the colors vary with the angle as, as it is seen and the minerals that make up the reflective tapnum lucidum crystals. You have crystals. Crystals in their eyes. I love... Yes, that is totally correct. I love uh, iridescence. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that for a second? What else you got to say? That's it. I okay. just love iridescence. <laughs> no, well, in, in uh, high school, we... We dissected goat eyes, sheep eyes, I think. I think we did sheep eyes. And there was a, um, I extracted, um, like, I don't remember what it was. It might have been that, whatever you're talking about. The, the tapetum lucidum? It might have been that. Um, it also might have been a cataract. I could totally be talking on my ass. But it was like a marble. It was like a little oh, like yeah. hard. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so probably not a cataract. Then. No, not it's not a cataract. Um, shoot, because I did that too. Yeah, um, and it, it's like a marble. It's like a solid, yeah. like hard, hard iridescent, mm-hmm. like clearish, cloudy ball. Thing. I thought about looking into eyeballs, but I don't know why I stopped. I guess I was like, this is all over the place. I don't know why I stopped, given that this it, spider's entire saving grace is that it has really interesting eyes. Why <laughs> on earth would I further research about eyeballs? Go oh, on. man. <laughs> Anyways, shut up. Um, so white eye shine occurs in many fish. Mm-hmm. Blue occurs in many mammals like horses. Uh, green in mammals like cats, dogs, and raccoons. And then red in coyotes, rodents, possums, and birds. And humans, no? Hence red eye? Humans do not have tapetum lucidum as we are diurnal and sometimes a weak... But sometimes a weak reflection can be seen in photos which can be which can produce the red eye effect. Okay. Yeah. Look at you with the immediate answer. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just leading you. That's... Hey... Well done. This is as as chaotic and hectic <laughs> as this has been. Good, good info. Good episode. Yeah. So, um, guess who doesn't have this? Hmm. Take a guess. <laughs> Take a guess. Uh, it's not Mela. <laughs> it's not Charlie. No, Mela has this. I know. Uh, I'm gonna say the the fucking spider yes. that we're talking about. Which is unfortunate, mind you, that the spider's name comes from something far less interesting about it yeah. than what we're actually talking about. Like, it couldn't have been named the binocular-eyed spy. The searchlight spider, spider. The searchlight spider. Yeah. No, they were like, it's the fucking ogre-faced spider. Yeah, because it looks fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. So, poor um, spider. So, yes, Denopus spinosa, a.k.a. ogre-faced spider if you're nasty, didn't have a tapetum lucidum. <laughs> you are out of control. <laughs> Instead, every night, a large area of light-sensitive membrane is generated within the eyes, not o- only to be destroyed at dawn. Mm. Um, okay, you know how fucking hard it was to find anything on this. 
I found all of that other shit. Mm-hmm. There is not one person writing about this fucking spider's eyes mm-hmm. and like how it regenerates. Mm-hmm. I've, I've only found like two sources, which I'm going to heavily rely on in this next coming up like notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh my God, like so difficult finding anything about this. Mm-hmm. So I finally found an article from mm-hmm. newscience.com. Uh, that had the smallest nugget of information. Mm-hmm. The article reviews the book Secret Worlds, The Extraordinary Senses of Animals by Martin Stevens. Mm-hmm. And in this book, there is a chapter on eyes and states that the destruction and regeneration of the spider's eye are an energy-saving strategy. So as the sun rises, the photoreceptors and membranes break down as they are too, quote-unquote, expensive to maintain when they are not needed. Huh. So, in another article from the University of Nebraska site, Jay Strafstrom, I'm sorry, Strafstrom, Strafstrom, a doctoral student from the University of Nebraska is quoted saying, Vision is really expensive. Simply keeping photoreceptors healthy and functional requires a lot of energy. Now, if you wanted to grow the size of the eye to gain more visual information, it would become disproportionately more expensive as the mass of the eye increases. It's a really good example of the law of diminishing returns, where you are spending way too much to get just a little bit more information. Hmm. Um, so in that article, it was highlighting the addition of groundwalking prey to its diet versus just airborne prey. Hmm. Most spiders tend to hunt airborne prey using webs, but spiders who have evolved larger eyes use them to introduce larger and more nutrition gr- re- more nutritious ground-dwelling prey to their diets and that's all i found that's literally it yeah nobody gives a fuck about these eyes (laughs) well apparently they're too expensive to keep around i i looked at books and pdfs academic journals nobody gives a shit that's what what info you found though is kind of interesting because it's um i don't know it's just interesting how uh evolution has decided Mm -hmm. for the spider like eh, your eyes are too expensive to keep around during the day Mm -hmm. they're not too pricey though to to maintain like at night partially (laughs) yeah so like where's where's the line between we're just like gonna you know vestigial arms for like t-rexes we're not just gonna like totally get rid of them yeah we're not gonna give you the the tiny eyes and just make you a blind spider basically, but mm-hmm. we're going to make you go through the torment of burning your <laughs> retinas out every day. <laughs> well, and that's, and, and it's funny that you bring that up because it, they probably don't even need the eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently they can hear through their legs. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So the next, the title of my next section is called Miss Spinoza can hear through her leg hair, but first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So before we unwrap that, we have to talk about how they hunt. Okay. Um, so as we established, Anopus hunts at night, but is not a spider that lives that lies in wait on a stationary web for prey to wander into. The, tenop- the Denopus genus of spiders are net casters, which means that they actively hold a net of silk that they then use to wrap prey that they spot. Mm. Um, the silk they make... Uh, for this net is called crib- cribolate, 
which is hilarious because that's the only word I thought to look up on pronounce how to pronounce. So I know I'm saying cryboli right. Okay. <laughs> but you waited this long into your research to go, yeah. I should look up how to say that. Yeah. Um, uh, so this silk, really quick, let me finish this note. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, the the silk they make for this net is called cryolate silk, which is a non-viscous adhesive silk, meaning that it's a dry adhesive type of silk. Um, it's more commonly called woolly silk as it has a fuzzy texture to it. You can see a picture of this on the Instagram. Hmm. Have I said it enough? <laughs> this is created during the web making process where the hairs on the legs fray the silk as it comes out of the spinnerets. Okay, that was going to be, because uh, my uh, dry adhesive doesn't make sense in my head, but after hearing that, so it's like uh, it's like a form of Velcro, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Huh. Um, and the spinnerets are on the butt, and they make the silk. <clears throat> yep, they poop out <laughs> the silk. I'm a grown man making fart noises. <laughs> Go ahead. The shape of the web net is rectangular, and it's held in the front first front legs of the spider as it hangs suspended from a single strand of silk in wait for a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my sources is a blog post from gilwisen.com slash denopis. If you want to see some more up close and personal pictures and links to videos of the spider making the web and hunting in a controlled environment. Hmm. I actually, this, this site is really cool. Like I've definitely recommend, like if you're totally chill with like looking at pictures of spiders, he's got some really great pictures. A lot of the pictures on the Instagram are of his pictures. I just want to make sure I give credit um, because Mm -hmm. it's, it's all their work. Mm -hmm. Um, once the spider successfully captures a meal, it wraps it up, bites it a couple times, wraps it up some more, and then enjoys its little hmm. its little meal. Is it you may have already said this, but is it um is it venomous? You know, I didn't find anything about that. Mm-hmm. Um I think it it might be one of those where it's it's just not super lethal. Mm-hmm. Like it's more if if it venom if it does bite you, it might just be an irritation. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything having to do with people being injured. Mm-hmm. bites antidotes anything yeah. like that it's not as uh it's not as dangerous as like i don't know a tarantula or like Wolf a brown spider. recluse or yeah, something no. like that yeah no. as far as humans are concerned i guess yeah i feel like if if it were i would have found yeah more i think honestly its head is pretty small considering how big its eyes are so i and being a net caster i don't think it evolved anything that, that makes sense that would need to be super like lethal and potent mm-hmm. um because it's basically like has its like once it catches something like it catches it it's not like able to move right um so it it doesn't need to evolve anything that like totally paralyzes mm-hmm. whatever it's catching right gotcha um so Sometimes, if the prey is airborne, the spider will do a little backflip to catch it out of the air. <laughs> Sometimes it does a little backflip. Yeah. Do a barrel roll. <laughs> uh, so back to Day Jay Strafstrom from the University of Nebraska. Um, they camped out in Florida State Park for two months studying the spiders and giving them little spider blindfolds. Mm-hmm. The blindfolds are made out of dental silicone. Yeah, so he would like take a little toothpick 
and like catch the spiders and then he would like really carefully put silicone over the eyeballs okay <laughs> yeah that sounds awful <laughs> yeah no it, it doesn't sound like it was fun but okay um even in the article he was like this was painstaking <laughs> yeah it was awful camping in fucking florida trying to put fucking blindfolds on spiders <laughs> i just imagine somebody running around with like a cloth yeah. like in, either, in both their hands like <laughs> just trying to catch, catch spiders. a spider about an inch big right with a bandana yeah <laughs> just put this on your eyes um okay they noticed that the spider snared its prey about 3.5 times more when relying on its eyes uncovered than when they were covered, but that it also depended on if it was ground-dwelling or airborne prey. Hmm. So, the covering of the eyes had no effect on catching airborne prey, but greatly reduced the catches on ground-dwelling prey. Hmm. So, totally chill doing a backflip with a blindfold. Um... But of the spiders whose eyes were uncovered, they captured more ground-dwelling prey in much faster time than that of the airborne prey. Hmm. So that backflip is really fucking tight, but he's not doing it successfully mm-hmm. as much as he were to just catch shit off the ground without the blindfold. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so leading the, the researchers to believe that although they can grab from both air and land, that the spiders preferred to grab land prey, and it probably gave them more sustenance to evolve such large eyes. Hmm. Uh, and that's wonderful and good for the spiders, but how the fuck are they backflipping, catching flying prey blindfolded? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the next section is titled, How the Fuck It Did It Do That? <laughs> did it. How did it do that? Very good. Um, in 2020, a team of neurologists report that the ogre face spider, a.k.a. backflip Magoo now, <laughs> uses sound to guide its backflip attacks. Mm-hmm. But last we checked, spiders don't have ears. Um, so these neurologists hooked up tiny little tungsten electrodes to the brains of living spiders and detached legs of spiders to detect neural activity of peripheral nerves. These are nerves that sit outside of the brain and spinal cord and relay info between the brain and the rest of the body. And wouldn't you know it, the nerves were responsive to a wide range of tonal frequencies from 100 to 10,000 hertz and as far as 2 meters away. Hmm. Uh, This totally covers the frequency that the wing beat of prey sits in, which is between 150 and 750 hertz. Um, It also covers the frequency of bird calls that forage around plants that the spider lives around. Mm -hmm. They did further tests to see if the metatarsal organs located in the lowest leg joint that senses mechanical vibration through the exoskeleton, which could play a role in detecting sound. Um, So just to like reiterate that, like Mm -hmm. there is a special organ that detects vibration so if you think of like a spider on a web its legs are able to detect that vibration Mm -hmm. right um so the scientists restricted the movement of the detached spider legs and found that the organ did play a role in detecting subset frequencies 
suggesting that for some frequencies, the metatarsal organ of the ogreface spider can pick up airborne sounds that propagate through the air in pressure waves that deflects the tips of their legs. Hmm. Which means that the spider is hearing through the movement of air particles by its legs. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, the air particles are further detected by sensitive leg hairs called trichto, trico, trichobothria. And previous tests show that these hairs are also used by jumping spiders to hear lower frequencies. Hmm. Um, then they begin testing using these sounds in the field and in acoustically controlled labs. And the spiders responded with a backflip strike as if they were catching a flying insect. Um, although the article, uh, a back flip, a back flip strike. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it just, it sounds like a, like a special move that you would use in a video game. Oh, awesome. I just learned backflip strike. So, uh, um, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in this, this article, uh, they, they call it, they kept calling it a back bend. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more badass to call it a backflip. Mm. Uh, what is interesting during these tests is that the spider didn't react to the higher frequency tones. Mm. Um, they've been shown to be able to hear the high frequency, so why not evolve to have the ability to not use it? Mm-hmm. So why evolve, or I'm sorry, they have been shown to be able to hear high frequency, so why evolve to have the ability but not use it? Um, so it's thought that it's more for protection than offense, as most birds make high-frequency noises, and when they hear those tones, they either stay still or hide for protection. That makes sense. So if it's already camouflaging itself by being a stick, yeah, it's not going to react to a high-frequency sound because it's already sitting in camouflage. Right. It's not going to blow its cover for something that it deduces is mm-hmm. probably more harmful to it than it is beneficial. Mm-hmm. So there's also further questions on which leg becomes the hearing leg. <laughs> And how the web it hangs from is an additional help to hearing. Mm. There was also a little at the end of that article coming all the way back from the beginning of this about like how spiders perceive the world around it and what like it means to like be hearing all of these little things and how it like reacts and what what these sounds mean to it. Like if you have a spider sitting in the corner of your room Mm -hmm. and you walk by it and it can like hear you walking by it. Like, what does that mean to it? Mm-hmm. So that's that's it. That's the end. That's that's the ogre face spider, aka Dinopus spinosa, aka backflip magoo, aka twirling diva of the house spinosa. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Well, the the sound thing is really interesting, and I was just thinking the um to. For it to not react to higher pitch things, like yeah, it could be a thing with the uh, um, it could be like a why is it not reacting to the higher pitch uh, sounds? But it it may be a um, maybe it's just not as sensitive to those higher pitch sounds because mm-hmm. w- what I know about sound. Um, and like, if you think about, so like we live near a busy road and you've probably heard, um, cars and motorcycles and whatever else driving past while we've been recording the episode. Mm. Um, but those frequencies that come through are really low frequencies. 
so low lower frequencies um think about a car that drives past with um like a really loud uh bass playing mm-hmm. from a song it that sound carries through and has an easier time maintaining its energy through the walls of your house and into your house and through the air and everything whereas higher pitch noises you don't hear those as clearly the energy is more quickly dispersed and um and all that Hmm. so lower pitched sounds in that like lower hertz range Mm -hmm. um they just carry more energy um and are easier to uh what's the word transport i guess Mm -hmm. through the air and through materials so that's i'm i'm wondering if maybe it's just not it's not it's choosing not to react to those things but maybe it just doesn't pick up on those sounds as well as easily i think um distance what what you're trying to say is that distance matters too because Mm -hmm. when they were doing the study and and like i said it it was only up to two meters Mm. away Mm -hmm. so anything past that two meter mark it's it's probably not hearing very well at all Mm -hmm. so i i would have to go back and maybe look more at the the notes of that article because there there is a whole like sources list right. in there too that's all right i'm not going to ask you to go back and yeah. look at spider pictures but i'm sure that they had like you know like from two meters they can hear this range from mm-hmm. one meter they can hear this range mm-hmm. you know from three meters they can hear this range mm-hmm. but two meters seems to be maybe the cap of right. where those sounds being made are being being heard quote unquote heard because that is a pretty um which i didn't know anything about that's a pretty highly contested thing is that can spiders hear Hmm. um is it a mechanical vibration thing or are they actually actively hearing through airborne waves Mm -hmm. pressure waves that's different from feeling a vibration from pressure waves right um right so that's like a huge like debate within the spider community (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that they don't, they're trying to figure out if spiders can hear within the spider <laughs> the spider community i just got an image of like a bunch of scientists dressed in like spider costumes like in a like in like a, a conference center or something like that <laughs> just standing around spider cosplay like, drinking ginger ale and like i'm dinope spinoza <laughs> picking, picking up like cheese blocks from the charcuterie boards like just talking in their spider costumes yeah. like a furry convention oh, i know <laughs> yeah. so yeah um the whole thing about their eyes regenerating i don't find shit about that but that was just a red herring to it really was sorry i hope you enjoyed listening about this fucking spider (laughs) that's funny yeah it was super interesting to look into like i i really enjoyed looking into all of that Mm -hmm. i'm sorry if it was chaotic but that's fun it's the process i like the i like the vibe i like the the stride that i feel like we've hit with episodes and whatnot hey do you want to do doggy horoscopes okay uh this is we've done weeklies in the past um we're gonna shake it up and this one's gonna be for uh daily so tomorrow being monday october 31st yeah halloween happy halloween we record these way in advance just because we're getting used to the process so tomorrow is halloween for us but 
when this releases, it'll be like very far into November. <laughs> this will be the this should be, I think, the last week of mm-hmm. November. Something like that. End of November. Anyway. Yes. So way back way back when on October thirty first. <laughs> yeah. Um the doggy horoscopes for her puppers, Mela and Charlie. Um Charlie is what is Charlie again? Aries. Aries. <laughs> we do this every time. It uh, never changes. I know. Anyway. Uh so Charlie's. The moon enters Aquarius today. That's interesting. That's interesting for you. It is the age of Aquarius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The moon enters Aquarius today, illuminating the sector of your chart that rules your social life and inspiring a fun atmosphere for connecting with friends. Oh, goodness. Excuse me. Uh, For connecting with friends. (laughs) Why don't you just start over? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, reading's hard, motherfucker. (laughs) I've been doing this this whole time. (laughs) All right. The moon enters Aquarius today, illuminating the sector of your chart that rules your social life and inspiring a fun atmosphere for connecting with friends, enjoying your hobbies, and enjoying the intellectual connection you share with your partners. Deep conversations can take place as the moon squares off with Mercury in Scorpio. Charlie, she's going to have a very, like, super brain moment deep, tomorrow. <laughs> deep conversations with with herself in her, in her crate. <laughs> Charlie, you're going to have such a cool, like, Aquarian day tomorrow. That's so fun for you. She better realize something about herself after pulling all of our shit off the table the other day. (laughs) Um, Okay, read Mela's. I want to know mine, too. I want to do mine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. One, calm down. (laughs) Two. Um, All right. Mela's a Sagittarius. So the moon enters Aquarius, as we had already stated, uh, lighting up the communication sector of your chart. Your intuition, in your intuition, your intuition, gets a boost, and discussions take an interesting turn as the moon squares off with the messenger planet Mercury and Scorpio. So more communication stuff. Charlie and Mila are going to have a very cool conversation. <laughs> Just going to stare at each other. <laughs> They're going to have a very cool like moment are of you, communication. Are you are you picking up what I'm putting down? They're going to both be I like am. galaxy brains staring at each other. <laughs> That's good. Okay, mine. I want to do mine. Oh, yours. Aquarius? Yes. The moon enters your sign today, Aquarius, encouraging you to connect with your feelings and focus on self-care. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Uh, I'm trying to disconnect from my feelings. <laughs> you may find that the world is on your emotional wavelength. The moon squares off with Mercury and Scorpio, perhaps bringing an intriguing discussion about your career or future plans. Charlie and Mela are going to have a conversation with me about my job. <laughs> right. You're at about a like a ten. <laughs> Maybe an 11. Taylor, do yours. I'm going to need you to uh, reel it back a Taylor, bit. shut up. Do yours. This is um, this is all from Vice, by the way. Uh, Vice.com. 
forward slash en slash article slash jgpa seven y slash daily dash oh my God, horoscope Taylor. dash october dash thirty one dash two zero two two. Good for them. Now I don't have to include the the link. It's there anyway. Uh, Taurus. The moon meets Pluto and Capricorn and connects with Neptune and Pisces, which you can which you can find which can't. <laughs> reading is hard. The moon meets Pluto in Capricorn and connects with Neptune in Pisces, which can find you having a profound breakthrough. Your focus may turn to your career, reputation, or long-term plans as the moon enters Aquarius. And important discussions, oh, and important discussions or decisions take place within your partnerships as the moon scores off with Mercury in Scorpio. A lot of uh lot of weight being put on this whole mercury and scorpio thing yeah well mercury is a is a planet about like communications and technology Mm -hmm. um and then scorpio is how would you describe scorpio scorpio is a very like uh feeling deep deep feelings Mm -hmm. so a lot of communication about um what we want emotionally, maybe mm. uh, darker sides of emotions, communicating darker sides of emotions. Mm. Um, to be very serious for a moment. <laughs> darker sides of emotions. <laughs> yeah, like the darker shit that nobody wants to talk about. Oh my dad! <laughs> oh, the pain in my heart. <laughs> oh my mom. <laughs> oh, that little that kid. Uh, um get on tiktok if you have no idea what we're wait, talking about um so you a lot about career for you too so me you and charlie and mela are all gonna have a galaxy brain moment about my career <laughs> about your career because it only it sounds like you're the only one making a decision about anything yeah. <laughs> what what else is new <laughs> all right i'm done uh yeah i guess so that's good that's that's where we're hitting the the cap for this week okay so our as far as time goes we got a good good we got a good solid hour of quality content <laughs> quality yeah all right well Qual- quality with a k <laughs> yeah i'm i'm glad i i i did this today that's good <laughs> i'm glad i was here <laughs> i don't regret doing this that's what we shoot for it's been a hard week yeah it's been a really hard week so and now we're gonna make peppered beef stew yeah very comforting comfort mm-hmm. food yeah. so i'm i'm excited for that not that anyone out there cares nope <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway we're off so thanks yep. for your time the dog here is free <laughs> Congrats on making it to the end of the episode. Why don't you give us a follow wherever you're listening and maybe even leave a review. Put in a good word with the algorithm, you know? For picture references and other general content related to the pod, you can follow our social accounts at TheDogHairIsFree on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. 
Subscribe to get notifications when we post new episodes, but otherwise we're targeting releases every other week, so hopefully more frequently in the future. And again, thanks for your time. The dog hair is free.